Hey, everybody. John Michael Coleman IV. The young adults love when I say all of it. John Michael Coleman IV. Hey, it's great to be with you. It's been a blessing to be with our young adults for about a year now. Um, it's just a joy of my life to teach the scripture and, and uh, walk with them in life and in fellowship. So it's great. Um, hey, I have, I have 10 minutes, so uh, we're going to move quick. I'm going to um, try to move through the first uh, section of the passage today. Uh, Philippians 3 is where we're at in the scripture. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 to begin, and then uh, Nate and Justin are going to come up and wrap up the, the chapter with you guys. So, um, I'm going to start by just reading it to you. Uh, when I, I, I say this every week at the young adults, and they roll their eyes and are probably bored of it by now, but um, I say it every week because I really mean it. Uh, when I read the scripture out loud when I teach, that's the most important thing I'm going to say to you. Um, I pray and I seek the Lord as I study, and I trust that he guides my heart and, and leads me to knowledge of, of the truth. Um, but his word is infallible. His word is perfect, it's true, and it's good for your life. So as I read the word of God to you now, um, I encourage you to especially tune in. Um, so let's look at Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered in order that I may get suffered sorry, the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own uh, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from, from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So, Lord, we come before you now, um, and we want to learn from your word. Holy Spirit, guide our hearts to an understanding of the truth. Uh, may we leave this place today uh, encouraged by your word to go to the world and tell them the truth, that you have come to save us from our sins. Lord, not by our righteousness, but your righteousness. May we have a relationship with you, and I pray that this new year we'd seek you more and more. And it's in your, your son's mighty name that I pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So it's a new year, um, and with the new year often come uh, resolutions or goals, making plans to become a better version of yourself. How many here um, have made slash even started this morning some resolutions? Anybody make some resolutions? Yeah, we got a few. We got a few. Yeah, my mic is um, you're going to get rid of distractions in the new year, and um, you might want to get, set check marks for your goals. Um, set check marks past the next year. I bring this up not just because it's the new year, but I'm convinced, and I want to suggest to you today that this passage uh, 
set a goal together, to set maybe a resolution together to gain righteousness. How can we become righteous? Um, and what I think we'll find is that this goal, achieving righteousness, might come a little bit differently than the other goals that we try to achieve in this new year. Achieving righteousness might not exactly work with those typical methods of getting rid of distractions, check, setting check marks, or even asking an expert. And uh, I think that that'll prove true in the passage. So let's look um, at Philippians 3. Uh, I want to look at verses 2 and 3. Uh, I won't skip verse 1, though. He says, finally, my brothers. So um, he's saying finally as a conclusion to what he's been teaching so far uh, in this uh, letter to the Philippians. And the theme of Philippians is humility. So he's been teaching them all about humility, humility. And this is his final note, if you will, on humility. Um, and how righteousness and humility can be joined together. Um, how you can be humbly uh, righteous. And uh, so he says in verse 2, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. This is his getting rid of distractions that he's suggesting. Paul suggesting we need to look out for these people. And the people he's talking about sound really wicked and evil. And who he's describing is who he used to be. Um, it's the Jews. It's people that are telling you that you have to obey all these laws and all these commands that they have been trying to obey for years and failing to obey for years to gain righteousness. That by obedience to the law, you can become righteous. So he says, don't listen to them. And he says, for we are the circumcision. This is a reference to that mutilate the flesh. He's talking about how it's unnecessary now to abide by the old covenant of uh, circumcision and we live under a new covenant of grace. He says, we are the circumcision, those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are Christians are, are the new circumcision. We have a new covenant with God. And we worship uh, by the Spirit. And we glory in Christ. We don't glory in the works of the law. We worship by the Spirit who He's given us. He circumcises our heart by the Holy Spirit. And we worship by the Spirit now. And instead of glorying in our actions, we glory in Christ and what He has completed. And so that is His get rid of distractions part of the goal of gaining righteousness. So um, the first is that we worship by the Spirit, not by our own deeds. Next, uh, in verses 4 through 6, I'd like to suggest he's uh, here explaining what it would be like if we set check marks and ask an expert on gaining righteousness on your own, right? Uh, Paul here says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, uh, right, we can't have confidence in the flesh anymore. That's what we just talked about. We have a new confidence, which is in the Spirit of God and in the works of Christ, not the works of John Michael or the works of Enter Your Name Here. We have confidence in the works of Christ now. And he said, if anyone could have confidence in the flesh, in their own works, Paul says it would be him. Why does he say that? Well, because he was the best person that ever lived in regards to the Old Covenant. He obeyed the law better than anyone. He was zealous to the point of persecuting Christians. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He followed the law to the T, circumcised on the eighth day as the law required. He was self-righteous. But that righteousness gave him nothing. Right? If, he, if we're going to set check marks, it's to be a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin, to be circumcised on the eighth day. 
we want to be a Pharisee. We want to persecute the church as for zeal if we're the ones gaining righteousness. But Paul says, he goes on to say in seven, verses 7 through 9, I count all of that a loss. It's utter garbage to me, he says. He's the best person that's ever lived to this point in, 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 uh, in their recent history. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. And, they, and he says, that's all garbage to me. All of it. Why is it garbage? Because what is greater to Paul is knowing Christ. He says, I count that all as trash for the sake of knowing Christ. And being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, Paul says, that comes from the law, which he was obedient to, don't forget. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So, as I wrap up my, my portion to begin the text today, well, we have to look at what benefit this goal has. What are we going to reap from uh, setting the goal of attaining righteousness uh, in this year? If it's ourself, if it's our self-righteousness, like Paul, before uh, he was converted, like Paul, we might gain uh, a pleasant life. He had pretty um, good renown in the city. He was of high uh, stature and People looked up to him, people followed him, he had wealth, he had, um, he had the whole get up. So we might gain a pleasant life now and some benefit now, only to stand in perfect before God on judgment day. If it's up to us, I cannot go before God and confidently say, I belong with you. But if it's up to Christ, if it's up to knowing Christ, for the sake of knowing Christ, and having righteousness that's given from God by faith, not by works anymore, then we will gain the whole world. We become co-heirs with Christ and gain in His inheritance. So I, I plead with you today, set the goal of gaining righteousness, but friends, strive no more to gain it on your own terms. But believe in Jesus, and He will give you His righteousness. You get to heaven and you get to look at, at, at the gatekeeper and say, I'm here because Jesus said I get to be. Not because of anything I did. So that is the, the intro to this conclusion. Nate Peaster here is going to lead us to the middle of the passage. Love you, brother.
And if, any, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Father, as we continue in your word, I just pray that your spirit would speak through me. And Lord, I pray that you give all of us receptive hearts, ears, and minds to hear your truth, to put it into practice. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless us as we see your face this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So he says, not that I have obtained this, or I'm already perfect. So the first question we have to ask is, not that I have already obtained what? Now John Michael just went through this passage, and we briefly remind you. He said, that I may gain Christ, that I may, I may obtain Christ. He said, being found in Christ, that I may receive the gift of righteousness that comes through faith. He said he's pursuing intimate knowledge of Christ and the power of Christ's resurrection, which includes sharing in Christ's sufferings, and then he ends with saying, pursuing the resurrection of the dead. Now, Paul says that he has not fully obtained the fullness of salvation, and he admits to his sinful imperfection. Now, if anything, maybe we could be encouraged a little bit. That the greatest missionary, pastor, one of the greatest men, men in all of history says, I haven't made it yet. I am not there yet, I have yet to obtain it, and I'm working on it, and I feel like I'm pretty bad in comparison to Paul, you know what I'm saying? So let that just be the encouragement to us that even the greatest still fall short, and truly it's only Christ alone who perfectly measures up to the standards of God's law and God's word. It's as if Paul is saying, I have not fully realized these glorious realities in my life. He says, I, I'm aware of these promises, I'm aware of what I have who I am in Christ, and I'm aware of the benefits that I have in Christ, but I haven't fully recognized it in my life yet. It has not all fully come to fruition in me, in my knowledge, and in my living. So, in recognition of his lack, Paul continues on. He says, but I press on to make it my own. And here's why. Because Christ has made me his own. Friends, Amen. Christ has made us his own. Yes. That's a big deal. I don't want to skip over that. That we who were alienated, cast off, trampled underfoot, lost in the kingdom of darkness, walking in our sinful flesh, desiring nothing but our own name, Christ made us His own. Romans 5.8 says, While we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. While we were sinners. When we were doing nothing but sinning against the righteousness of God, walking around blind with scales on our eyes, Christ, in his grace, died for us, reconciling us to God in himself. Ephesians 1.5 says that he has predestined us for adoption as sons. So not only have we been reconciled to God, we are sons and daughters of God. We're adopted into the family. It's not like we're just the guy that gets invited and stands in the corner and God's like, hey, welcome to Thanksgiving. It's, you're my son and I love you. You're my daughter and I love you. And then furthermore, if that's not enough, Romans 8, 17 says that if we are children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, one of my mentors often says, this sounds blasphemous if it weren't in the Bible, that we would be heirs of Christ's kingdom that we would be allowed to rule and reign with him, not because of anything amazing about us, but by his grace, that he would reconcile us, adopt us, and say, you are kings and queens in my kingdom to reign with me. Wow, glory be to God. So the first point I want to give to you, if you're a note taker, is this. Christ has made us his own, 
So we are to make him our own. We are to press on, as Paul says. We are to press on to our fully realized salvation, to know Christ and the power of the resurrection, to have righteousness. And John Michael did a great job emphasizing this. Righteousness, not of our own. That's what Paul said, right? I did all of it. I kept the law. I was so righteous that I was following God even if it took me to kill Christians. And he thought he was following God's law. And of course, we know he wasn't. But he had the zeal. And he says that was nothing. So where does the righteousness come from? Faith in Christ. It's a gift. To have the righteousness that comes through faith. And we are to press on to the day that we will resurrect from the dead. That we will put on the imperishable bodies. And we know that this is a necessary consequence of Christ being resurrected from the dead. I would point you to 1 Corinthians 15 for that. Verse 13, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, as I was studying this, what's bubbling to the surface here is the doctrine of sanctification. To be set apart as holy. To be sanctified is to be made holy. You could think of in the Old Testament how there were things in the temple that the priests were to set aside as holy. They were to be sanctified. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of each and every individual believer. The moment that a believer is saved, he or she begins this process of sanctification where the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the striving Christian to morph him or her into the likeness of Christ. So what Paul is saying is that I forget what lies behind. The things that I held to that were good and the things I held to that were bad, the things I sinned, I put those behind me. So point number two is this. Forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Now, as I said, Christ, or no, hold on, I got ahead of myself. I got ahead of myself. It's like this. It's New Year's. We often know that uh, we make plans to eat better in the new year, to do some exercise in the new year, and that's a really helpful illustration. If you spend all year focusing on all the, the workouts you skipped in 2022, all of the cheeseburgers that you ate in 2022, for me it was spicy chicken sandwiches, like you are going to waste your time fretting about the past. What you ought to do is plan your next workout tomorrow morning, right? You ought to meal prep for the week. You strain forward to what lies ahead and you let go of what came behind. And it goes both ways, right? You could look at your past failures and you could look at your past successes. So about two years ago, I got pretty, pretty in shape. I was working out a lot and then something happened. I don't know. You could talk to my wife about it. But something happened. And <laughs> I, um, if I continue fretting about what I did right in 2020, that doesn't help me now, right? So here's the point. Christ has made us his own, our past sins are forgiven, and our past achievements are rubbish. Paul could dwell on the fact that he was once a legalistic, murderous Pharisee, but he knows his infractions are nailed to the cross. They're forgiven. He presses on. He could focus on the fact that he had all of these successes, as we've mentioned before from the previous verses, but he counts them as rubbish. He presses on forgetting what was behind and straining forward to what lies behind ahead. So like him, we are to enjoy God's grace and press on to what lies ahead. Verse 14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul invokes the imagery, as he often does, 
of an athlete back in the Panhellenistic Games, for those of you scholars out there, that basically are the forerunner of modern-day Olympics. So they would have been familiar with sports games. And he's invoking that imagery. He's saying that like an athlete strives for a trophy or for a goal is how he is striving forward towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what's the goal? Knowledge of Christ and Christ-likeness, righteousness, for the prize of the upward call, or it could be translated the heavenward call. Paul, undistracted by his successes and failures of his past, is laser-focused on what? Pursuing Christ, his salvation and righteousness, to receive an eternal reward of life with Christ. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. 1 Peter 1.4, Our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. There is a goal of an imperishable heavenward reward that we will enjoy eternally, which is life with Christ. Amen? So point number three, we are to press on to the upward call of God in Christ. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. The one who is mature, and actually some translations will even say the one who is perfect. It's kind of ironic because this whole conversation has been about how Paul said he was perfect, thought he was perfect. And then really it's not that he is perfect, but that Christ is perfect and that righteousness is attained through faith. But he's saying the one who is truly perfect is the one who recognizes they are imperfect and by faith press forward into Christ. And he says, if anyone disagrees, God will show you that you're wrong. <laughs> because that is the truth. Verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. We are responsible to live according to what we do know. So this whole business about forgetting what came behind, that doesn't mean forget everything you know, but rather it's build upon the foundation and recognize that your righteousness is not what gains you merit. We are responsible to live according to what we do know, and our pressing forward is to build on the foundation we already have in Christ. So as I conclude, I want to just encourage you, as those regarded holy by God, let us pursue holiness. As those given the gift of eternal life, let us live in light of eternity. As those who are in Christ, let us take upon suffering with joy. And lastly, this new year, let us remember that we are regarded as righteous in Christ, so let's pursue righteousness and press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, John Michael. Oh, man. Um, I get the privilege of wrapping up what we've been talking about this morning, and I, man, after what these two gentlemen just spoke on, I don't know if I can do it justice. Uh, but I'll try. I'll do my best. So um, I get to, to speak about righteousness and how we practically put righteousness and straining towards the righteousness uh, in, into practicality, right? I'm a very practical person. I need steps. I need coaches. I need people to come along with me. So we're going to finish up reading in Philippians 3.17, and it should be on the screen. It says, brothers, join in imitating me 
And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And, and Paul is, is saying, hey, keep your eyes on those who have the truth. Don't get distracted by the dogs that we talked about earlier. But keep your eyes on those who walk according to the truth, right? And then he says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies to the cross of Christ. Let's go on. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Apparently, we had some people that, you know, ate a lot. And their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And you can underline earthly things. We'll come back to that. But our citizenship, rather, is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to sub subject all things to himself. So here's the thing. Paul says, hey, walk with people like me. Be like me as I am like Christ. It reminds me of Ephesians 5. You may remember this. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for her. So walk with people who give themselves up to Christ, right? He, they give themselves up to the righteousness that, that Christ offers. So walk with people. He, he says, walk, and walk according to our example. Join with other believers. How many of you guys have ever run a race? We talked about a race earlier. Some of you hands. My, my wife's a marathon runner, right? Can you imagine what it would be like running a race by yourself? Let's put you out in the desert. You're just running all by yourself. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't last the first mile. I need people. I need people to walk with me. I need people to go with me and encourage me and to help me run that are going to come alongside me and, and uh, push me to the end, right? Paul's saying, look, surround yourself with other believers, other like-minded people that are going to help you run this race, that are going to help you get to the end, the prize, right? It's just like a marathon. And what are those people like? Well, their, their mind isn't on earthly things, right? Their mind is on heavenly things. It reminds me of that old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Right? You guys are beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. I was hoping you'd help me sing that because you don't want to hear me sing this morning. But that's the, that's the thing, is we, we need to turn our eyes towards heaven. We need to walk that path with other people. And the things of earth, they're going to go strangely dim. The things that are important to us now won't matter. The things 
on this earth pale in comparison to what we have in the kingdom. And then Paul gives us another mental picture. He gives us a way to see Christ's righteousness. And I I think it's obtaining Christ's righteousness is simply living as a citizen of heaven now. Right? Look at Matthew 6.33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Right? Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above. Right? So in my mind, we need to live like people of heaven. We need to be like citizens of heaven. But often, and I don't know if you notice this in your life, sometimes I notice it even in my own life, but the people around us, we live like heaven, that that we're not citizens of heaven until we get there, until we die, right? I do that all the time because I keep my mind focused on earthly things. But Christians, if you're sitting there today and you're saved, you became a citizen of heaven the moment that you received Jesus into your heart. The moment you received Jesus in your heart, you became a citizen of heaven. You are a sojourner. You are a foreigner in this country. You are an alien to this earth. And here's the point. Live like it. If you've ever looked at a foreigner, somebody who's not from America, who lives, uh, who has a, a home country somewhere else, the way they live and, the, and, and you get the idea of what their home country looks like by the way they live and how they act and, and even the smells that they have and, and, and everything comes into it, right? They're, they're foreigners. You get an idea. You get a glimpse of what their country is like by the way they live their life, right? And they're just living life like they know it. Citizens of heaven, our friends, our families, our communities, they'll know what heaven is like by you. You are an ambassador of heaven. People will know what Christ is like. People will know how to obtain righteousness. People will know how to receive salvation if you just live like you're supposed to. I'm preaching it to myself. I'm thinking about the things this week that I was living worldly. So here's the thing. Stop putting our trust and hope in earthly things. Stop putting your trust and hope in earthly people. They will let you down. We place our identity in worldly things, in sex and drugs and drinking. Yeah, those are the baddies. But what about the things that are not supposed to be bad? Like, polit- like politics or media or sexual identity. We put all of our hope and our trust and our, our faith in those things when we're citizens of heaven. Your hope and your trust, it belongs to Christ and Christ alone. It's found in his kingdom. You are a kingdom being. The kingdom of God comes to earth through you and through me. So what do we do with all this? I told you I'm a practical guy. I need steps. I need to know what to do. And if you've been around the church, you kind of know already some of the things that you should be doing. But I just want to remind some of us who have been in the church, and I want to tell you if you're new in the church, here are my three practical, basic 
steps to living as a righteous citizen of heaven in 2023, okay? Bear with me. They're real basic. One, you got to learn more about the king, right? When I was dating my now wife of 11 years, it's hard to remember. But when we were dating, I studied her. I got to know her. I got to know her friends. I wanted to know everything about this woman because I was going to engage in a marriage with her, right? You realize that our, our relationship with God is the same. It's a marriage. You're in a relationship. You better know him. You better get to know him. You better study him. You better know his friends, right? It's just like being in a relationship. Secondly, you got to communicate with them. Again, with my wife. What if I woke up one day and I just decided, hey, I'm only going to talk to my wife when I need something? Yeah. I, I just decided one day, yeah, I don't really like this relationship. I'll just, I'll just, you know, call her up when I need something. How many times do we do that with God? Right? The way that we communicate with God is through his word, but also through prayer. Right? That's a two-way communication system. You realize that we're the only religion that teaches that we can have access to God. We got God on speed dial. You can talk to God whenever you want. So my encouragement to you is that we need to pray more. And not about just the, like, when we need things type prayers. Let's give thanksgiving. Let's thank God for the air that you breathe, the life that you have, the, the fact that your children are still alive right? Let's be thankful. Let's give affirmations to God. Then thirdly, it's surround yourselves with other believers. We need to fellowship. And, and you're here this morning. That's awesome. But this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Surround yourself with other believers. It's like that marathon. Running a marathon on your own is impossible, but when you have other people running with you to help you, to encourage you, to give you water along the way, you can make it, right? So you need people surrounding you. And I got some practical ways to surround some people around you, right? So first of all, you think about your jobs, your schools, your neighborhoods. Surround yourself with other believers, people that are like-minded. That doesn't mean that you can't hang out with non-believers, but surround yourself. Take your pointers from people who are like-minded and are on their way to Christ, other citizens of heaven. Secondly, we got lots of great small groups. Craig Rochelle says life happens in small groups, in circles, right, rather than rows. And, and the idea is that, yeah, we we educate ourselves, we fill ourselves up on Sunday mornings in rows, but life happens in circles, in your unit, right? We got great small groups. Look over there. There's, there's small groups for everybody. You can get involved in a small group. I'm going to challenge you. If you want to grow in your faith, grow with other people. It's a lot easier. Join a small group in 2023. What about... Those who would say, I'm an introvert. Small groups doesn't really sound great to me. Well, you're not off the hook. Because you 
There's got to be somebody in this room or around your, your neighborhood or somewhere that you can just take out for coffee. And you're like, hey, you know what? This year, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to go through the Bible. And we're going to read, you know, through the Bible. Would you just meet up with me for coffee? And just one-on-one, we'll just talk about what we read. It's that simple. You, you could be surrounding yourself with another citizen. And lastly, this one hurts the most because it's the hardest. We got tons of serve opportunities. We got lots of them. And we have some amazing volunteers. Let's give a shout out to our volunteers, by the way. We got, we do. We got some amazing volunteers. But guess what? I, I believe that to be a mature Christian, you should be serving in the church. And, and we're about 80% full. We, get, we need about 20% people serving. I know this. You can't grow deeper in your faith without serving. Jesus himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of heaven and earth, he came to serve, not to be served, right? And I, I think if, if it's good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for me, right? I can tell you this. The, the, the place that I have grown the most in my faith is serving alongside a brother or sister. That's where it happens, man. When the rubber meets the road and, and you're actually serving with somebody, you're serving the church, you're helping. Like that marathon analogy, you're on the sidelines handing people water and encouraging them to go, to keep going right? If we're running this race to righteousness, you're going to need some people alongside. And you could be that person. What if we were to look back on 2023 and you were to say, hey man, that was the year that I decided to serve. I decided to partner with Jesus and help people in their faith. And you might be saying like, well, well, I don't know how to serve. I don't, I don't I don't know much about the Bible. I'm not a very good Christian. And there's, there's things that you can do. Don't be intimidated. We need ushers. Like, you can point people to chairs, right? Come on. So we need you. If that's you, if, if this morning you feel like, hey, man, I just want to press in in 2023. I want to be a better citizen of heaven. Marlana's back there. She's, well, you can wave, Marlana. I'll do the rod thing. You can wave. Okay, wave. Um, Marlana, she's our volunteer coordinator. You, yeah, give it up, give it up. She would love for you to talk to her about volunteering. She would love it. There's lots of serve opportunities. Here's my thing, and I'll, I'll close with this. Righteousness is found in the kingdom of God. If you're sitting in your chair this morning and you say, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've received Jesus into my heart. Then my encouragement to you is just live like it. Plain and simple. Think about those that, that come from other countries and, and what they say about their country. Live like that in America. We're foreigners. We're sojourners. You are an ambassador of Christ in America. 
the hope of this nation doesn't lie in a person. It lies in the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray with you as the worship team leads us in our next song. God, we praise you for your righteousness that we could never attain on our own. God, and if it were up to us, we'd all be on a train to hell. But because of you, we are righteous before God. God, we thank you for adopting us into your family, that we become living royalty, that we are kings and and queens of heaven. God, help us in this year to, to press in deeper, to go farther, to live like citizens of heaven, to not put our hope and trust in things that will perish, but to put our hope and trust in things above. God, simply and practically, just help us to live like you. God, we praise you this morning and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.